This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning, by golly. It is Coach Hogg's Locker Room here on a Monday morning on June 26th. Racing right through this month of June. We've already passed the longest day, so we're back headed toward winter, believe it or not. Um, we are, of course, in the Manly Warthog Man Cave, inside the Melton Law Studio. Melton Law, the only official law firm partner of the victorious Florida Gators in the World Series. We'll talk about that in a moment. And we're protected 24-7, 365 by Crime Prevention and brought to you by all the great sponsors like On The Spot Cleaners and uh, Style Cuts and uh, R&R Construction and, oh, golly, I'll start leaving people out. I better not do that. Um, and um, we are, of course, uh, happy to bring you community discussions, um, both locally, statewide, nationally, the whole continuum. But on Monday, I've always been doing the Coach Hall locker room, and um, – it's a very, how shall we say this, exciting day for the Florida Gator baseball team because it looked as if after their first defeat, and if you're not up on this, I'll try to bring you up on it. It's a two out of three series, and LSU won the first one really by just a a fingertip catch. A guy caught with eyes in the back of his head racing toward the outfield, and there were some atmospheric conditions and the wind was blowing in that day and that kind of made it catchable and he barely caught it for LSU or the Gators would have won that first game in the series because that game they were the home team and it would have been what they call a walk-off win but LSU won that and the thing that has been obvious about this College World Series is the parity among these teams. They're all very talented. They have very good players who have really been playing the sport since they were little kids. They've been dedicated to baseball. And for the most part, they're not dual athletes. Like in the old days, uh, the guy who played shortstop for the Florida Gators was Richard Trapp. Now, he was an All-American shortstop. He'd have been an All-American at anything he did. But he was primarily a football player who came over during the baseball season to sort of help out the Gators. I don't think we've got too much of that anymore. We've got guys who could play football. They're big and strong, over six feet, over 200 pounds, pumping the iron a whole bit, fast as can be. But they've got their senses about them in that they realize that's no easy profession. 
you get concussions, you get banged up. Uh, uh, Richard Trapp, my man, can't hear you, was also the state tennis champ in amateur tennis um, and a good friend. But uh, And he went on to play for the Buffalo Bills as a wide receiver. But these guys really kind of came to their senses. I've talked to some good baseball players who also played football who, if they had it to do over again, would just play baseball. But be that as it may, these people playing this game now are able to throw the ball 100 miles an hour off the mound. Um, their earned run averages are very low. Um, and they hit the long ball, et cetera, et cetera. So there's been a lot of parity. And it's really come down to a, maybe a mistake here, a mistake there, because there's always that unexpected error. Although there are not many of them. But they can be, of course, very damaging, like double faulting in a tennis match or hitting the batter, which we had a tendency to do. And hitting the batter, my golly, cost the Gators, in my humble opinion, the first game loss because that batter went to the bag and then was brought in by a hit that brought him in eventually, and the Gators lost that by one run, four to three. That hit batter was basically an unearned run. <clears throat> so now the weirdest thing happened yesterday. And I'm going to go through a series of reportages on this game and let you understand how weird this was. The USA Today reports after a thrilling extra innings victory in game one of the finals, LSU was one win away from capturing its seventh baseball national championship, needing a win Sunday, yesterday, in game two of the best of three series. The Tigers appeared to be headed for a win after scoring first and then jumping to a three-to-one lead after the second inning. But the dam broke at that point. Florida scored six runs in the third inning to take its first lead. And before the game was over, get this, it sounds like a football score. And somebody quipped on Facebook, let's hope the Gators football team can beat LSU by the same score, 24 to three to four. Um, the most runs scored in a game in men's college World Series history. Now, aside from the designated hitter, every Gator starter recorded at least two hits, or Wyatt Langford leading the charge. Uh, he's going to be a top 10 pick in the draft. He went five for five with one walk, six RBIs, and a home run, which at 449 feet was the second longest homer in the history of that field there at Omaha. And it had apparently a 51, uh, how shall I say this, uh, angle, imagine a right triangle, 51 degrees 
ascent into the air. And they kept remarking on that. So each of the six LSU pitchers yesterday gave up at least two runs. Now, this might going to be a different story tonight because they're bringing their ace on who routinely throws it over 100 miles an hour. Now, here are the most runs scored in the College World Series history. Florida, 24. Notre Dame, 23 in 1957. Arizona State, 23 in 1984. Southern California, 21 in 1998. Miami, Florida, 21 in 2001. Arizona, 20 in 1955. And Cal State Fullerton, 20 in 1994. Florida scored more. Now, the Tigers pitching staff and the Florida pitching staff, it's what it's all about. Now, what is tonight's outcome going to be? You can throw out that 24 game, a 24 run score. I promise you, because it's a brand, as they say, new ball game. Um, this is going to be at seven o'clock tonight on ESPN. So you'll probably want to catch this. Even if you're not a baseball fan, you're going to see a tremendously probably competitive uh, encounter. Now, the Tigers had five errors in this game. They allowed eight unearned runs, and uh, their pitching staff gave up four home runs. Um, I was so glad to see the Florida home run hitter that holds the record hit a couple of runs. It was really home runs. It was very, very exciting. And uh, we, uh, let me see if I can pull up the article on that. Uh, that was uh, most interesting. And um, I was pulling for the kid because up until then, he was like two out of 19 or so. So it, it is really um, kind of uh, exciting for him to have done so well. The uh, uh, LSU stranded 17 runners on base. And uh, supposedly, this has been a problem all season for them. Um, They left 10 runners on base through the first five innings and stranded the bases loaded in each of the first three innings. Uh, So there you go. I don't know. It's going to be, as we say tonight, a brand new ball game. And uh, it's going to be something a lot of people here in Gatorland are going to be tuning into. And going around the horn, as we say, in baseball, and picking up some news articles of interest, Deion Sanders, 
You know, Deion Sanders is a great, great athlete. He was able to handle professional football at a high level and switch right over and handle professional baseball at a high level. Bo Jackson is the only other one I know who could do that. There are probably others, but those are the two I'm aware of. But Deion Sanders, and I don't know whether this is due to football or just genetics, but he has an issue with blood clots. Friday, he had surgery. There was some talk about him actually losing one of his feet. Boy, I'm telling you now, when you've been a great runner, a great athlete, and they start talking about taking your legs out from under you, particularly at an early age in life, you better have your head screwed on right because it's going to be a tough mental challenge. So the surgery Friday removed blood clots. He had a big one in his thigh and he had some below his knee. Now, these will kill your graveyard dead. You know that story if they move through the heart. Um, he's got one in his right leg, which they haven't worked on yet. The only thing they can really do, as I understand it, to prevent this is to use the heavy doses of blood thinner. And the heavy doses of blood thinner, you know, compromise you for bruises and other things that can happen to the body as you try to thin this blood and keep the clots away. Um, this is a uh, series of health problems. And I'm sorry to hear this about Deion Sanders. I'm sorry to hear health problems about anybody. Um, since 2021, when he began to develop these blood clots and had several surgeries on his left foot and leg, um, it was a life-threatening situation. And he almost needed to have his leg amputated below the knee. Now, I've not read anything about him being diabetic, but that can be a contributory factor. Um, so he's had two toes amputated, and he's missed three games as Jackson State's football coach. He came back to the sideline at Jackson State in a motorized wheelchair. So he no longer now has feeling at the bottom of that foot they operated on. Two of his remaining three toes on it are normally bent. They're going to have to be operated on to straighten out. Um, this is a, this is a serious issue for a guy that really, if you fast forward, there's no real good outcome to this. Um, the doctors keep, so to speak, whittling on you. And where do they stop? And what eventually happens to Deion Sanders? And isn't it a sad story? It could be one of the fastest, uh, one of the most 
agile. Uh, one of the most uh, interesting and flamboyant to have this visit you and really in still your young productive years. The cancel culture, meanwhile, is hard at work. There's a Buffalo Bill safety, Jordan Poyer, who had to cancel his annual golf charity event. Guess where? At the Blue Monster at Trump National in Doral, Florida, which was to take place next month. Why did he have to cancel it? Because teams and sponsors pulled out of the event because it was at Trump National. Now, this event was to benefit ECMC Foundation and ECMC uh, which is a foundation uh, that is uh, working to improve higher education for career success among, quote, unquote, underserved populations, is a pretty darn worthy event. And they were the com- beneficiary of this tournament. And they had an excellent partnership with. Jordan Poirier. But because of the name Trump, these teams, mostly from up north, refused to sponsor, refused to participate. And who suffers? The cancel culture is at it. It's hard at work. Hard at work. And the way they're working away now is to, of course, cancel at the corporate level. Now, sometimes it does backfire. Sometimes, as is the case with Bud Light, apparently. But that doesn't deter the cancel culture. Meanwhile, Wim Ban Yama, I believe I've said his name properly, 19 years old, 7'5", has gone to the San Antonio Spurs with Greg Popovich, who is, I believe, the oldest coach in the NBA now. And Popovich... had Tim Duncan at one time and has had these seven-footers, knows how to play with them, knows how to use them. And Duncan became the cornerstone of 19 consecutive playoff teams for San Antonio and Greg Popovich and five champions. He retired in 2016. So this seven-foot, four-inch, five-inch, why quibble over an inch, was the first pick in the NBA draft. Um, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, 
think that he is the future of their sport. Um, Popovich is 74 years old and gives no indication of uh, stepping down at all, just as ornery as he's ever been. Um, Since the NBA, the Wall Street Journal writes, and the ABA merger in 1976, seven of the 47 top selections have won an MVP award for the team that drafted them. Just 10 altogether, a total of 21.2%, have made the all-NBA first team. More top picks have won a championship with a franchise other than the one that drafted them, nine, and with their original clubs, seven. So this is kind of one of the mysteries. How will this eventually work out for this 19-year-old player in the NBA? Uh, The Shaquille O'Neal and Anthony Davis got their start in Orlando and New Orleans, but both won the NBA championship in Los Angeles. Um, Think about that. I can remember when Shaq was in Orlando. Um, The winning top pick um, still requires nurturing and uh, attention and tutorship. LeBron James was probably the most accomplished first pick in NBA history. He didn't even go to college. He came right out of high school. But the start of his career was set to a ticking clock, the journal says, and the Cleveland Cavaliers did not manage to land him as an all-NBA player during his first seven seasons. Um, Only after James returned to Cleveland in 2014 as a free agent uh, did they really pick up the pace. Cavaliers won their first championship James' third in 2016. So when Banyama has all the stats, a highlight reel, second to none, he's only 19, won't turn 20 until January. In Europe, he was playing in one of the prime adult leagues, and was outstanding there. But there are some things that can go wrong. Uh, you may not be able to play the defense well. Um, he may turn out to be like Ralph Sampson, who was a seven foot four center who developed knee troubles. When you're that young and you grow that tall, that fast, things have not even tightened up yet. So David Robinson, by the way, in 1987, was the overall pick for San Antonio. And uh, Duncan and David Robinson really uh, became a pretty good uh, roster fill for, for San Diego. So the other challenge is to find complementary players for these guys. And um, 
But already Owimpanyama is a 21st century global celebrity, huge marketing opportunities, and uh, who knows what lies ahead of him. Uh, The Spurs last season tied for the second fewest wins in the NBA. So if they can keep when Benyama healthy, maybe they can turn it around. Interesting story, is it not? Coach Hogg's locker room. Got about four or five minutes here before uh, hopefully we join Tim Martin, who is going to talk to us about some things going on in the community. Um, Tim, as you know, is the chair of the Alachua County Republican Party and a Newberry city commissioner and fills my seat whenever I'm unavailable here on the Ward Scott Files. It's in good hands when Tim's here. Meanwhile, Andrew Andrew Kaplan is at it again. I've shown this article to people who know something about the school system more than I do probably, which wouldn't take much, a high school system. And trying to figure out why Shane Andrew, the interim superintendent, is in the, as a target on his back. And of course, Andrew Kaplan, it seems, is not missing an opportunity to, how should we say this, lend his two cents about pretty visible leaders in the community, writing first about the sheriff, getting some details about that wrong, saying that the sheriff was out after two and a half years remaining. The sheriff is not out. He just said he wasn't going to run for re-election. Nothing to keep him from changing his mind. Um, Now, Kaplan is writing about biblical quotes that supposedly Shane Andrew used in discussing some issues uh, in the school board world. Who knows? You know, and then somebody supposedly was punished for note-taking. And, uh, I mean, there's a whole article devoted to this in the sun. Uh, somebody smarter than I needs to make sense of this. I'm so skeptical about the motivation for Andrew Kaplan's articles. I just can't believe that it says journalistically responsible as it should be. Um, If anybody out there knows more about this, please feel free, perhaps on Open Line Friday, to call in about what are the serious issues in the K-12 system. Um, Personnel changes by people in charge of personnel are the responsibility of the people in charge of the personnel. They're not the responsibility of the state attorney. 
who obviously is not going to stick his nose in this, apparently. Uh, they're not the responsibility of the chairwoman, Tina Certain. But, you know, there's been these distracting rabbit holes. Camp Crystal director Scott Burton. Last year, they sued the school board and Carly Simon. They were the center of an investigation alleging mismanagement of the camp and citing Andrew's staffing changes. You know, meanwhile, what's the old saying? Rome burned. All the leaders fiddled. I'm cold. I don't drive around Gainesville much. That there are signs by the sides of the roads at Gainesville. Advertising for teachers. So we got signs advertising for teachers. We've got cops fleeing law enforcement. We've got workers who don't work. I hear it constantly from those of you who are people who never apologize for making mistakes. People who don't go the extra mile. So we'll have a show on that someday. I see Tim's checked on. We're going to do the weather now, and we'll be right back with my good buddy, Tim Martin, chair of the Alachua County Republican Party and Newberry Commissioner, to bring me up to date on a lot of things that he has uh, got his ear to the ground on, and you too, therefore. Be right back on the Ward Scott Ross. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, 
Thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. We're trying to work out some technical snags with uh, Tim Martin right now. Uh, but I'm going to do Ward's weather, compliments of Lewis Oil. Uh, fossil fuel, nothing wrong with that. Wendell Lewis, Lewis Oil, Chevron stations. Well, we are enjoying a dry spell now. We've had all this water. Uh, we've got all these sinkholes that opened up, you know, down in Oakmont area. Uh, we need to dry out a little bit in some places. Of course, we welcome it here in our pastures. 77 degrees right now. going to go up over 90 uh, today in our area. Uh, meanwhile, we've got tornadoes through some parts of the country. Uh, it's really uh, kind of iffy in some places. As you know, uh, these colliding air masses get together and things get really heavy. So uh, uh, we covered a couple of stories for you. In Texas, the power grid is really being strained because of the really high three-digit uh, temperatures they've had in Texas. So it's um, it's, it's problematic there in terms of the power grid. Um, the um, uh, uh, business of the Titanic and the ocean depths, you know that story. A lot of questions about whether it was really safe enough in the beginning, who takes care of these kind of things, and why does anybody want to go to the bottom of the ocean anyway? It's so risky to explore. So uh, hopefully we'll have a pretty clear day right now. No, no, uh, no impacting hurricanes out there headed our way. We're going to use uh, Tim Martin here, I think, just on audio. And um, that's because he's getting a little bit of breakup on his video. Tim, are you there, sir? Uh, yeah, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you fine. So welcome to the show. Sorry about the hookup. Okay. Uh, we'll go with what we got here, and if we have, to, if we get breaking up, we'll put up the phone line and call in, um, and we'll do it that way. And that never breaks up. So, what well, you were going to talk today? I think with well, anyway, I, I I hit a little bit about the school board before you came on, which I confessed I know nothing. I can't figure those people out. Um, you kind of know a little bit yeah. more. I'm sure you know more about it than I do. What in the world is going on with reading the Bible and taking notes and is Andrew Kaplan just chasing rabbits again? Yeah, I think there's a good amount of that. Uh, the uh, superintendent had admitted in the meeting oh, about a month and a half ago in the first part of May where he said that that actually uh, never happened. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he had quoted something or was referring to something, uh, but it's certainly 
I think he's going to have to call. Um, sorry, breaking up here. Open up the phone line, Tim. Call in. You're getting a bad feed over there. Yeah. We're going to open up the phone line and uh, hang on, you guys. We'll be talking to Tim, and our, our phone line is very clean. Sometimes the Internet, sometimes the uh, links are, are problematic. We do the best we can with them. Got a great production with uh, our good buddy Zach, who's running all this. And um, um, we'll, I'll kind of ad lib. Uh, the phone line is up, I think, in a moment. Tim will be calling in. Um, anyway. Welcome, host. You are now in the host room and can manage your callers from the call in studio web interface. And we'll wait until we get that connection going. And I'm looking at the chat line if anything's on your mind. Uh, Plantation Mark says he ended up with three and a half inches of rain. More coming to his way. Uh, we had a great, great amount of rain and uh, discovered a leak in the roof. Can you imagine? Uh, we're going to have to deal with that. Um, the phone line, I'm assuming Tim knows that number. Let me see if I can get the number text to him, my friends, in case uh, he's not getting it. Hang on, buddies. Okay, I just texted Tim the number. I thought he had it. Maybe he didn't have it. Um, we'll see if we can connect up that way, my friends. Apologize, apologize, apologize for these little snags we've got here. Meanwhile, um, We were talking about the uh, high-ranking school district employees uh, being reprimanded for taking notes during meetings, which Andrew Kaplan has been writing about. And um, uh, I, I guess somebody doesn't like um, references to the Bible, which may have been this thing that started it. Um, um, that's the Gainesville Sun stirring the pot again, as far as I can tell. Where are we, Zach, with our call? Well, I see, a, I see a Tim Martin here on the left of my screen. Tim, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me better? Uh, let's talk a little bit. Let me hear you. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Well, I'm talking now, and I just... I moved outside and just got off the Wi-Fi. I think we just got so much rain out here. My neck of the woods is the... No, Tim, the best thing to do is to call in on the call-in line. Yeah, don't right. yeah, call in on the call-in line. 
Sorry, listeners and viewers, we're some of this has to do with water and the lines, by the way, and some of these internet connections. I, I hope everybody understands that happens and it's really not much. Okay, is he there? I'm here. Okay, you're much better now. So let's go with it, brother. You may have water in the lines out there. We've had that problem here. So, yeah, this is very clean. What is yeah. it? Yeah. Guys, break, you're breaking up on the phone. You're breaking up on the phone. I'm sorry, friends, for the dead air. All right. We'll try this a seventh time, I guess. That's better. Uh, can you hear me at all? We can hear you. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, uh, again, I was trying to say that I've seen a certain a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a bread term for Shane Andrews. And Breaking up too much, Tim. It's breaking up too much. I'm not going. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't know what the problem is. It's garbled. Bear with us, friends. We're trying to get this connection going. I don't know if we're going to be successful. He dropped. Okay. Well, Plantation Mark, who's uh, a master chief, says it might be the cell tower. We're not sure, but we're not getting anything. Um, um, he's going to try tomorrow to come in with a story uh, that he's talking about. This is a GRU bill, and I'm not prepared to talk about it because I haven't been following it too much. It is obviously being challenged by a group here. Let me get some notes here. It's being challenged here by a group led by Hutchison. And people have asked, is the governor going to sign it? And the governor hasn't signed it yet. And what I understand is that if the governor doesn't sign it, it will become automatically law at the 1st of July. So I am not... uh, Sure, what the governor is going to do, of course, is he actually going to sign it? Uh, is he actually going to let it become law, if you will, uh, by not signing it? Which, as I understand, is the uh, technique for some bills going into law. Now, the community here is obviously complaining and pushing back and raising money and and all of that business to try to forestall um, or divert the public from their incompetence that brought us to this point. All of a sudden, they have decided they've got to become austere, financially responsible, um, somehow on the ball and um, saving people money rather than, you know, playing the old shell game, taking money from one pot and putting in another. As a former city manager, I can tell you that if you don't keep an eye on city commissioners, they'll do that. 
they will move money around and the public won't know it. And unless you've got a very strong city manager who's not afraid of being fired, they get away with it. Because the dilemma that city managers have with commissions is to tell them what they don't want to hear and not get fired because they become vindictive. You know, if you think about these people who are commissioners, they really have no training to be a commissioner. Uh, They just get up there and sit down and they start flying from the seat of their pants and sort of voting out of their own kind of um, sense of uh, what they would do if sometimes the budget in their mind is figured just the way they would figure it at their house. So the sophistication of the giant numbers of money takes a great deal of savvy. And in Gainesville, we once had five commissioners instead of seven. And those five commissioners were business people. You couldn't buffalo them with the budget. They handled budgets every day. Now you've got commissioners who are not business people, who've never been business people, who have their own agendas, have their own axes to grind, and don't mind babbling on about it until somebody catches them. And if somebody catches them, then if they can eliminate the somebody who caught them, they do. So it's a precarious position. But when you add two more to the mix, seven, you really get some awkward ducks. And all kinds of problems can break out, which have been breaking out in the city of Gainesville for quite some time. You know, some of these rural communities, so to speak, are really doing quite well because they have not only five commissioners, but those five commissioners have a common vision for the community they govern. This doesn't mean they rubber stamp, but they know each other. Uh, They have business in the the community. Um, They have roots in the community. Um, The children go to the school in the community. Um, And you you take Newberry, you take Alachua, Hawthorne. These, These people know each other and govern each other. It's a perfect example of the smaller the government is, the better the government is, probably. And the closer it is to the people, the better it is, probably. The farther away it gets from the people, the worse it is. And we have an excellent example of that with Congress. I mean, how in the world do these guys, uh, Chuck U. Schumer and Pencil Neck Schiff and Fat Jerry Nadler and these people, whom do they interact with? that they govern and make decisions for. They don't get out of their their lane. Uh, Poison Pelosi, I mean, what in the world is in her head? She's out attacking the Supreme Court again. You know, that is the conventional attack right now that is in style because the Supreme Court is being not controlled, but sort of exists under people appointed by Trump. 
I can assure you that if that Supreme Court were being controlled by people appointed by Biden, Pelosi, poison Pelosi and them would want to keep it insulated from any kind of attack for as long as they could. But when it doesn't suit their agenda, then they want to attack it. And they want to know who the guy went fishing with. They want to this, that, one thing and another. And it's all, you know, whether they ought to recuse themselves. It's all about trying to get their way, trying to become like children getting their way. And you have to keep that in mind. So, uh, by the way, Tim is going to join for the full hour tomorrow. Uh, we're just checking in and we'll have, we'll, we'll have all our connections in, uh, in order. And I appreciate that. Uh, we'll have a good time tomorrow. Anything you want to ask about local business, Tim is really, as the chair of the Elantrican Republican Party, uh, very much involved in it. And also as a city commissioner at Newberry, which is one of these communities that is absolutely humming along. Not that they don't have differences, but they get things done. They're not acrimonious. Um, they have a common interest. Uh, they don't have individual agendas to muddy up and murky up the conversations and pull people aside and distract um, the way we have right now with the school board. You know, let me tell you a story. I got about 10 minutes left here. I'll tell you a story about the school system. Okay. I've never told this story before and I don't mind telling it. Um, when I first went into teaching, I was hired at Gainesville High School. Now, you have to remember, in high school, I was 15 years old when I was a senior. I was bored a lot of time. Got tired of waiting on the slow students. and So I was always sort of who I am right now. Needler. Questioner. And so a lot of times I was a disturbance. And I ended up, by the time I was a senior, holding the record number of nights of detention for a student in our school system. You know, you had to go into detention hall at the end of the day. Mr. McGowan ran it, stern face. You had to write essays. I mean, oh, yeah, it was an over an hour. So when I tell you another funny story, you needed 16 credits to graduate. Came, I had 15 and three quarters because I'd been tossed out of civics class the last part of the year for fighting in class. And the reason I fought, I was only 15. The guy sitting in front of me was 18. And, you know, he was always a bully. So, you know, we decided, you ain't going to bully me. So anyway, I wound up in, in the detention hall jug, not him. So I went in to see Mr. Runkle, who was the principal. At the end of the year in June, 
1959. I said, Mr. Ronkel, I only have 15 and three quarters credit. I need 16 to graduate. And he said to me, Ward, in your case, we're going to give you the other quarter of credit to get you out of here. So the executive decision of the administration at my high school gave me a, an extra, extra quarter to be sure I graduated rather than hang around. So my father in his infinite wisdom said, you're going to military school. That will straighten you out. And it did. I loved it. I loved the discipline. I loved the order. I loved the integrity. I loved the professionalism. I loved the accountability. Hey, and if you had a problem with another guy, let's go. We got places to do that. It was a manly place to be. It was not no women when I went to the military school. Spartan. I loved it. So when I came to Gainesville High, I, 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 knew, I knew both sides of the track. You understand what I'm saying? I knew both sides of the, stra- of the track. And as life would have it, the administration at Gainesville High put me in charge of the seventh period study hall, which took place in the cafeteria. And you couldn't even see everybody in there because it, it had corners to it. But let me tell you something. You can't hustle a hustler. You could study in that study hall. You know why? Because I was in charge. And let me tell you how we maintained order. The first thing I did was pull one of the troublemakers up to the desk and have him be my assistant. Because I knew he knew the other troublemakers. I having been one myself. So I said, help me watch. I got your eyes and my eyes. And if you see anybody talking that I miss, let me know. Well, what was the punishment for talking during study hall? Well, it depended on how bad you were. The first time you, we caught you, you came to the wall in front of the entire study hall and stood there facing the wall until I decided you could go back and sit down. Should you do this again, you could come to the wall and stand there and hold a piece of paper on the wall with your nose until I said you could go sit down. And should you do this again? Remember, you can't hustle a hustler. You shall come to the wall. Hold that piece of paper with your nose while you're on your tiptoes and your heels better not touch the floor. Let me assure you, the latter almost never happened. You could study in that study hall. And let me tell you what I would do to test these 
chilling who were none of them as bad as I'd been. I would leave the study hall. And then I would creepy crawl around and look through the windows to see if anybody misbehaved when I was gone. And if they did, whoa, on the wall, holding paper with your nose, on your toes, until I tell you, and don't let those heels touch the floor, male and female. Good families, poor families, it didn't matter. No favorites. After a while, I could leave for 15 minutes and sneak back. Nobody talked. That's a study hall. That's a study hall. Let me tell you what stopped all that. Integration. If you were to do that too, a so-called person of color, you would be a racist. Let me assure you, however, and I'm going to tell you there were no people of color in that study hall. I am absolutely certain that across town, so to speak, in the person of color high school, there was no doubt my counterpart. Do you get what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? Now comes the school board with Tina Turton, certain, Dion, Dion McGraw. And they can't figure out why there's so many discipline problems. You figure it out. It ain't that big a mystery. The discipline has nothing to do with racism. It has to do with character and responsibility and accountability and teaching and learning. Notwithstanding who your mom and daddy are, because this is a study hall. And believe me, Nobody knew how to disrupt a study hall better than I did. I would drive a study hall teacher crazy. I could throw pennies in the cold air draft return. I could toss chewing gum in the lights. I'm going on because I could get away with it. Not in military school. The bull ring. The bull ring. Penalty tours. Full combat gear. 
inspected by your peer officers, not the faculty, but your peer officers. Because you see, if you screwed up, you jeopardized them. If you talked in the study hall, you jeopardized your classmates. Let me assure you, all of that is gone. We'll be back tomorrow with Tim Martin. Warhol Command Center out.